0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University, the university where you learn everything going on in the world of pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it for your own life. Thank you so much for joining me today. Everyone is welcome here, even the bisexuals, especially the bisexuals. We're going to get into the bisexual tea today because Billie Eilish came out and, ooh, it has not been a good coming out for her. It's been very tumultuous, lost a lot of followers. Shit is going down. We need to talk about Matt Reif and him. Even though he said he would never get canceled in his life, he is getting canceled very hard this week. A Trisha Paytas conspiracy theory. Taylor Swift denying that she was ever married to Joe Alwyn and bringing down a gossip blog, which she would never do to me because I'm a Swifty. Um, what else are we getting into? We're going to talk about Spotify wrapped. Taylor Swift and Travis, of course. And Matt Rife Plastic Surgery, Rumors, all of it. I'm swearing on the Bible right now, a.k.a. Britney Spears, the woman in me book with my right hand that I will say the T, all the T and nothing but the T. So anyway, before we get into it, make sure you rate this podcast five star on Spotify. Leave a cute review. We're so close to 4K reviews on Spotify. Bring it up. Instagram, um, repost it. Tag me. Apple podcast. Leave a cute review. Tell your mom, your dad, your dog, your... Hook up your dad's best friend that you're sleeping with. Tell everyone about the podcast. And without further ado, welcome to Pop Culture University. Take your seats. All right, you guys, so it's that time of the year. Spotify Wrapped has come around. That's more exciting than Christmas to me, getting to unwrap my Spotify Wrapped. I'm so obsessed with it. If you are on the video version here on YouTube, you can see that I'm wearing a Spotify Wrapped sweatshirt because I went to the Spotify Wrapped party this week, and a lot of tea went down. I'm so excited to tell you who I saw there. It was such a funny L.A. party. I can't wait to tell you, but I do want to talk about Spotify Wrapped and especially the podcast Wrapped that I got for this podcast. It was the most heartwarming, jaw-dropping, like just waking up to it felt like Christmas because everyone who listens to my podcast, all my amazing students were posting about how I'm on their Spotify wrapped and tagging me, showing where I am on their chart, telling me how much they love it. And I've just never been filled with more joy. Let me just tell you my podcast statistics. If you're like worrying, if you like the number and analytics side of everything. This is what podcasters see on their Spotify wrapped. It actually tells me a lot of tea. It tells me how you guys share my podcast. Most of you share it over text message, which I never even tell you to do. So thank you for doing that. I'm always like share on Instagram, you know, blah blah blah, tag me. The second one was Instagram. So shout out to you guys for doing that. Other people who we were doing it on Facebook, on Google, on Gmail. I love all of you no matter how you share it. Just get the word out there. Um it told me that 22,000 people had my podcast in their top 10 podcasts. That is nuts, crazy. That is like not even a small university. That's that's like a big public school. So mind boggled, I'm the most humble professor in the whole world. Like y'all have no homework this week. It's just to have fun, go hook up at the frat parties and get drunk off your ass. You all get straight A's. 16,000 people had me in their top five. Insane. And then 6,000 people had me as their number one podcast. So I think if you had me as your number one, you get your master's degree. And if you had me in your top five, you get your bachelor's degree. Um, There were some valedictorians here, people who were in like the 0.000% of the listeners, but I love you all. And it is really great seeing it in numbers played out on Spotify Rap day, but I'm truly thankful every single day I get to record this. And I see you guys listening, like right when I post the episode, I see, you know, 500 people watched it in the first like five minutes that I posted it on Spotify. So, I'm thankful every single day, and I'm so giddy when I think about I get to record and chat with you guys and DM. I DM'd everyone who posted, so I was DMing for hours that day. Like, I hope I got to you. It's so great to connect with you all, but there's nothing I'm p- more proud of in my internet career than my podcast. It's the number one thing I'm thankful for, and if you want to start a podcast, you should just do it. I was so not a natural and so terrible at it, but look at me now, bitch. 2020 won me. Couldn't even like say a straight sentence without having an anxiety attack. I would like tremble and become a puddle if I ever was speaking in front of a mic. So it will just like develop you as a person and broaden your horizons and give you an army of bad bitches behind you. So uh, the 2024 school year is going to go crazy. Let's talk about some celebrities Spotify wrapped. Ice Spice was her own number one on Spotify wrapped. I think that's fucking hilarious and iconic and the essence of self-love. She was her own number one artist. I always wonder if artists listen to their own music, but you know what? I would. Everyone likes their own brand, right? I didn't like Charlie Puth or someone say that they make love to their own songs. That's fucking weird to me. But what else would you expect from from Charlie Puth? The utmost weird shit. So I still think he needs the internet taken away from him. Worst couple of the century award goes to Charlie Puth and Selena Gomez. Can I tell you who my Spotify number one was? This is the first year Ariana Grande was not my number one in five years. I think since the conception of Spotify wrapped, she has been my number one. She's my ride or die girly. I'm an Ariana till the end. I was there through Donut Gate, through Homewrecker Gay, Pete Davidson. I was in the trenches with her and I still am. But she was my number three. She wasn't even my number two. Number two is Taylor Swift, which I mean, she was the global number one Spotify artist of the year. Apparently, she made over $100 million just from streams, which I think is really wild. Like, because retrospectively, looking back at her Apple music letter, she was like, artists aren't getting paid enough for streams. And look at her now. She changed the whole industry and she is now the number one most paid artist for streams. $100 million. She is wild. I feel like her power is so strong she's about to tell all the Swifties that it's time to leave their like shed their physical bodies and ascend into the light at some point she's truly just a godly being my number one artist though this year you guys I'm not ashamed at all I got to dance with this artist on stage at their concert how many people can say they got to do that with their number one artist my number one artist was Ava Max oh and I'm not embarrassed Oh, she's sweet, but a psycho, a little bit psycho. I'm sweet, but psycho. And I'm just, oh, she calls her fans the avatars. I just call her Ava because we're like, you know, best friends. We're not just um, a fan artist relationship. But it's so funny because she was actually my top five songs. Like no one else even cracked the top five. <laughs> it was all Ava Max. But she released an album this year. Like, what What was I supposed to do? The week it came out, it was just nonstop playing. Like it was playing while I was sleeping. The first night that album actually came out, I was listening to it in my basement because it came out so late and I still lived at home. So like, obviously I couldn't wake my my dad up to the sound of Ava Max. I'm, I'm sure he would love that, but he doesn't want to hear, that's the motto. Mm-hmm. Pop a few bills and drop a few champagne bottles at four in the morning. So I was listening to it so much the night it came out that my eardrums were like ringing at the end. Like I listened to it so loud with headphones on. Um. But yeah, I need to go to like, Ava Max rehab. I think I am anxiously attached to her, but I I sent a screenshot of it to her manager, and I was like, "Look, I am her number one fan. Can you, you send this to her?" And she was like, "Yeah, I'll send that to Ava." So we're still we're still besties. We're we're still in this together. I posted on my Instagram story. Tell me who was on your Spotify Wrapped, and let's just go through a, some of your guys. You guys gave me really a lot of options. A lot of you were Taylor Swift, Mia um, Juliet. You were Taylor Swift, Leo Kurz. Leo, Leo Kurz. I hope I'm saying that right. Oh, krr. you were Taylor Swift. That nurse, Mel Taylor Swift. Lots of people were Taylor Swift. There are some shocking ones in here, like John Joseph. You were Leah Michelle. What what song does do, does Leah Michelle even have? Thank you for supporting the illiterate community. But what music does Taylor um, Leah Michelle even have? A look. You were Chris Brown. You said Chris Brown. I know you hate him. I do hate him, but I won't hold it against you. Cage the Elephant, XOXO Savali. I have no idea who Cage the Elephant is, but I'm very happy for you. I think elephants are so cute. SZA. Oh, my God. That's Kaden. Kaden, you were SZA. That makes sense because doesn't everyone says that SZA makes music for side chicks. Kaden, you're totally a side chick. So that makes sense. Um, Alan, Bethy, you were Miley Cyrus. Sophie Wheeler said Miley Cyrus said I'm not going to accept any more endless summer vacation slander from me. I wasn't slandering her album. I said no one really listened to it except me. I love that album. River was in my top 10. Yeah. Anyway, you guys gave me really, I'm trying to see if there's any like other shocking ones. This person said Indiana Bible College was your your number one. Were you just listening to like the nuns in the nunnery go in? Maybe they make good choir sounds. I don't know. You're, this person, Cam Grubbs, your number one was the Jonas Brothers, and you are embarrassed. Oh yeah, I asked you guys if you were embarrassed, and most of you guys said no. I'd be embarrassed if mine was the Jonas Brothers too, though. I'm not gonna lie, that one song, Waffle House, was good though. Um, do you know who else was in my top ten? Black China. Yeah, isn't that so embarrassing? You guys probably have no respect for me after this. Black China makes really amazing music. Nicki Minaj is, isn't even afraid to say it. she brings out the pink Lamborghini just to race with China. She brought the Wraith to China just to race in China. Black China is a little badass bitch. She has a thick vagina. She smuggles bricks to China. <laughs> but anyway, I interviewed her on the Fox Red Carpet a while ago and she was on my uh Spotify rep last year too. So I told her, I was like, Black China, by the way, you're you're in my Spotify rap. Like I'm a huge fan. And she is nothing but nice and gracious and was so happy to hear. She she was thrilled to hear that she was in my top 10. Like, she, like, clenched her fist and, well, she couldn't clench her fist because her nails were done. But she clenched her fist as much she could. And she was like, yes! Like, she was so thrilled. And I love her. Um, yeah. Sorry you couldn't sue the Kardashians for a 100- 100... Million dollars But maybe you'll make that Back on Spotify Just like Taylor Swift Brought out the pink Lamborghini Just a race with China What the race to China Just a race in China Little bad Trini bitch But she mixed with China Real thick vagina Smuggled bricks to China I tell all my niggas Cut the check Cut the check yeah, mm-hmm. Alright you guys, the rumors are terrible and cruel But honey, most of them are true But not this one And Taylor Swift wants to make it mother effing known That this rumor is not true So there was this huge Like brawl going on On Instagram this week because if you know who Dumois is, she's this really big Instagram blogger. Like, that is her main forum of communication, Instagram stories. Anyone whose main form of communication is Instagram stories, you know, is trifling and up to no good. So Dumois has 2 million followers. And her brand has really exploded in the last few years because she talks about blind items. Yes, blind items. If you remember last episode on this podcast here, students, I was going off about how you should never get your information from blind items because to me if you get your tea from blind items it's like you're just running around like a chicken with its head cut off looking in all of these directions just like flailing yourself all over the place trying to know what's real what's not it's just a waste of time it you may as well read fan fiction if you're gonna read blind items it's truly the blind leading the blind but Dumont has made a big career for herself uh she stays anonymous at all times probably for the best so no one pulls up on her in the streets because she makes a lot of people mad. She just doesn't want Nicki Minaj to pull up on an op and say, do we have a problem? Because she gets a lot of problems with people. She has a big podcast now, maybe bigger than mine, but probably not. I'm not going to even look. I'm just going to assume it's not. She has a book deal. She made a book about her blind items. I actually have no idea what's in that book. Can you publish blind items if they're lies? I don't know. I feel like that'd be tricky. She is now working on a TV show. And let me tell you something. I have spoken to Dumois over Facetime before. She, well, it was Zoom, so she could blur her screen, so I wouldn't know who she is. But she was nice enough. She was fine. Like me and Dumois are chill. Uh, I'm definitely not biased towards her or against her. I'm coming at this from more of like a journalistic standpoint. I have nothing against Dumois, but I do know her. Mm, kind of. Well, actually, I don't know her because she <laughs> remains anonymous. But we have spoken. Anyway, she claims to know that Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn got married. Now, that's a big bombshell in the Swifty world because that would rewrite so much of Swifty history, the most sacred history on this planet, Um, that would rewrite her whole love story, and that's very sacred to Taylor. She shares with us what she wants us to know. She hints and offers up parts of her life for public fodder in her songs, She will tell us what she wants to know through the modem she wants to, which is pen to paper, music to our ears. So the fact that Dumois is trying to announce to the whole world and go behind Taylor's back and find all these different sources and all these accounts that may be fake or not of what people said that they saw is kind of trifling, if you ask me. So she has been going on about how they've been married for a long time on her Instagram story. It's been like a whole series. But last week, she posted something that was basically confirming Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn had a ceremony. She was responding to a fan's DM to her that says, stop trying to rewrite history. She was seen with Joe on and off all the way into 2023. She made a specific reference to the length of their relationship in Glitch that strongly implies that they had a six-year continuous relationship, 2,190 days. Even you, Dumois, is now trying to claim you thought they were on a break in 2023 when you were maintaining they were secretly married up until and after they broke up, LOL. This relationship clearly had cracks as evidence in some songs, but there's zero proof they actually broke up a year before we knew, as some are trying to claim. That was the message to her. These Swifties have been seeing this nonstop dialogue of Dumas trying to say what Taylor Swift has done with Joe. Did they break up for some time? Were they married? So this Swifty was just mad in her DMs trying to like set the record straight on Taylor's behalf, which I love. Taylor has shooters in these streets. The Swifties, you think they're all peaceful and just chant in circles and cry and scream her songs, but they will, they they do carry hot sauce in their bag, if you know what I'm saying. So Dumas then responded to that and said, To the fan, she did have a ceremony in either 2020 or 2021 in the UK. And it was described to me as a marriage by more than one person, but it was never made legal. Then Dumois said, I will die on this hill. Put it in my tombstone. Put it on my tombstone. She will die on this hill that they got married. Dumois said, I have no reason to lie. I could give a shit what she does. I'm sorry she didn't tell you guys about it in a song, but just because she doesn't sing about something doesn't mean it didn't happen. That's crazy. That's a lot to dissect there because the way she's trying to like take Taylor's power away from her and think she is good enough and like important enough or entitled enough to be the one to break news about Taylor Swift's Love life and almost like be the arbiter of how Taylor Swift delivers her news. She's trying to say, just because she doesn't sing about it in a song, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I'm here to tell you that it happened. Unless you're Taylor or Joe, you can't tell us that had that happened. Unless you're Taylor's mom, you you can't tell us that 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 happened. It's weird that she was so boldly saying, just because she didn't say in a song, doesn't mean it didn't happen. And I will die in this hill. It did happen. And I don't like when she said I don't have a reason to lie because you do have a reason to lie. Dumois. obviously any thinking person who thought about that for 5 seconds would know you obviously have a reason to lie. You run ads on your account all the time. You need to carry this narrative of uh, or 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 these like storylines of what's going on in celebrities lives so they keep clicking, they keep coming back to you, they get attached to so they can see your ads more so you can sell your book or whatever. You clearly have a motive to craft sensational storylines so people come back. Dumont's a faceless operation with baseless information, just for sensation. Will she get sued for defamation? I I, I could see that happening because now Taylor Swift's publicist Tree Payne, and if you know Tree Payne, if you've seen Tree Payne, she looks like she's she stands on business. She wants. She has like she's not there to be Taylor's friend. She's there to run that Swifty business like the mom. She is the head of Secretary of Defense for Taylor Swift. She's a Secret Service. She's always. Taylor's right hand man, whenever you see her at the Air's Tour at an event. Oh my god, did you see Taylor at the Renaissance premiere? And Tree Payne was like holding her waist as Taylor was walking, and everyone was like, Why is Tree Payne holding her like that? Like, is it that serious? But Taylor really does need Secret Service. Like in the delicate music video when she was walking and the Secret Service would stop anytime she would stop. I think she needs that in real life, but that's what Tree Pain is. Like she's in the Taylor Swift situation room at all times. She will cause you real pain. If you, see Tra- if you see tree, if you see in a fight with a bear, help the bear, is what I think. Now, t- this is what tree Payne said back to Duma. She never tree Payne never really like. Mm, it's just interesting to me that she would stoop down to Duma's level to even say this. And I'm sure there was a lot of contemplation that went into it because, as a publicist, like you kind of, um, like you 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 know you're gonna blow something out of proportion if you give it more attention. So why give Duma the attention? But she said. This is Tree Pain. Enough is enough with these fabricated lies about Taylor from Dumois. There was never a marriage or ceremony of any kind. This is an insane thing to post. It's time for you to be held accountable for the pain and trauma you cause with posts like these. Damn. Bomb drop. Wow. And you, it's the first thing I think of in that situation is like Taylor obviously read that, approved it. It was sent out. So Taylor is sick of it. Tree Payne is sick of it. And I like how they went about it in a public way because it does bash Dumois and let other celebrities know, like, do not give her any credibility. Like, I like that she didn't handle this with like a financial threat or legal threat behind closed doors. Like, let's destroy these lies from like a public standpoint. Um, I guess it is interesting to know now that they were never married. We, we, we did receive that piece of information that is actually verified from tree not a random person who's standing at a hot dog stand. And hears Joe Schmo say something that may or may not be about Taylor Swift that they didn't then DM Dumois. I love that it's verified. Okay. So Dumois decided to bark back. She clearly doesn't know when to yield down to the person in charge she's being a bad dog but um (laughs) Dumas said well I make zero dollars from lying can publicists say the same also to relate something that is in reference to something that happened years ago to pain and trauma after what just happened seems like poor choice of words either way I apologize to Taylor so again that's a lot to dissect And I love how the camp of Taylor Swift is coming for Dumas because Dumas stood no chance in the first place, but now she really doesn't because that was the single worst response I've ever heard from anyone in my whole life. And it really just exposed her moral compass with what she just said. That, like, if you had a question, she made herself look very bad. I think she could get a publicist after saying that because when she says, when I make $0 from lying, can publicists say the same? First of all, we already established any thinking person knows you you, you do make dollars. publicist. I mean, that's not really their main job to lie. It's to paint a good image of their artist. Much more than that, being a publicist, I think, takes more tact than just like running an Instagram blog does. First of all, she's not even a good gaslighter. When she's like, I don't make any money continuing this narrative of, oh, I make no money, I make no money. You're not even a good gaslighter. If you're going to gaslight me, make sure I question my reality or question reality in its entirety and not make me question your sanity. Like, be a good gaslighter. Take, take me on a trip. Really make me believe you. Okay, please. We know you make money. We don't need to go in circles here. The second half of that, when she says, to relate something that is in reference to something that happened years ago, to pain and trauma after what just happened seems like a poor choice of words, pain and trauma... That just really exposed her true character because she's willing to go so low and use the most heinous means of deflection to avoid taking responsibility. She, What she's referencing with pain and trauma is what just happened at Taylor Swift's concert, a.k.a. a fan dying because of um, cardiac arrest and the insane heat in Brazil. She's trying to like, completely deflect any wrongdoing or pain she could have caused Taylor by saying there's more painful things to focus on right now. And more things to garner sympathy for than what I just did right now. Insane, stooping so low, like indefensible behavior. Dumois over. That's wild. I can't believe she even said that. And I think she thought she was so like savvy, but like, girl, no. That that was a terrible response. And then she says, either way, I apologize to Taylor. I mean, that's like saying, sorry, I called you a stupid, ugly bitch, but I apologize. Like, you don't mean it. I don't know. It's just wild. Do I think Taylor will sue for defamation? Allegedly, it's hard to uh, prove defamation I know gossip bloggers have been sued in the past for spreading lies and ruining people's characters. Like when Cardi B sued a gossip blogger for $4 million and she's like still in debt and like Cardi B's just like savagely taking her assets and gives no fucks about this girl. But after what that blogger did to Cardi B, I mean, I would do the same exact thing on here. We don't talk about blind items. We talk about things that are actually unfolding right in front of us that have real consequence because they are actually happening in this universe, not something that may or may not Uh, be happening so I really don't feel like I have to worry about that it's it's a waste of time to talk about unconfirmed things we talk about real life situations not made up blind item land and I'm just so over it all um I will say Dumont does a good job at making it making it clear that her account is unverified gossip and just rumors but in this case she did add her own input when she was like I'll you know die on this hill I know this happened they had the Uh, ceremony in 2020 or 2021 that just may seal her coffin because it does seem like she's trying to rewrite this narrative and that would harm Taylor Swift a lot because it's her sacred story that you know she's been building her whole life and her personal life is her art and her music so I think this hurt Taylor way more than she would think Mm. but yeah I think the lawsuit is probably being written right now faster than a Taylor Swift banger gets written Dumas may actually just die on this hill. So, yeah. But seriously, don't listen to blind items like you think you like you think you find golden pieces of gossip in these blind items that are like so juicy and fun, but it's fool's gold. It's not real. It's a waste of your time. So don't mind for your gossip in the minds of a blind items account. Anyway, I want to talk about something else going on with Taylor Swift, and that is the fact that uh, the, the fan who died, Anna Clara Benavides, So we know from last podcast episode, we were talking about how she died from 140 degree heat stroke and the production company and the stadium um, companies, their horrible guidelines and rules, not permitting people to bring in water, closing the air vents in the stadium. Uh, The fact that it was a general admission show so no one could leave their seat without the fear of losing their seat caused people to just get too close overheat not have the means to cool themselves down and that led a fan to tragically passing she's only 23 years old and taylor swift was getting a lot of like flack i mean as she always does it's like a daily thing for taylor swift but she was getting a lot of flack because people say she should always be doing more she should be speaking up she should be leading the charge on any issue that is going on right now because of her massive platform and She should like lead by example. So why didn't she say her name on stage? Why didn't she donate to the family, pay for the funeral? Just do something grand for this family. And people were really bringing her down saying, oh, look at this. Taylor Swift fan died and she couldn't care at all. Taylor Swift fan died because she was just worrying about the profits. Taylor Swift fan died and she didn't even bat an eye. She didn't even say her name on stage. Like people just get so excited to make her seem like this demon of a person She's absolutely not. And in my head, I was just like, damn, give her time. This just happened. She said she was overwhelmed by grief. She posted that Instagram post saying she's not going to be able to talk about this on stage because she is so devastated and will cry if she starts to talk about it. It is now revealed that uh, the Los Angeles Times confirmed Taylor Swift invited Anna's whole family out to her show to meet her covering the travel expenses paying for the funeral, and making a donation to her parents. Taylor, again, being the most stand-up, generous person in the whole world. And I think she handled it in a really tactful way. She gave a very touching song tribute by singing Bigger Than the Whole Sky. Changes were made in the stadium. People were allowed to bring in water, food, vents were open. She postponed a show. She took a little bit of time. I'm sure she contacted the family privately. And then a few weeks later, made, you know the statement that they were contacted the funeral was was paid for i think she handled it in a really amazing way again rest in peace to anna that is so fucking sad and i applaud taylor for being so strong and moving on from that i still feel so devastated for her whole family uh let's talk about taylor and travis so Taylor and Travis you guys love the updates about them like I feel like every podcast episode if I don't talk about them you'll get disappointed so there's not much of a big update in the Taylor and Travis world with Travi Daddy but she was at his game in Wisconsin this week and was I don't even know what today is oh yeah yeah it was this weekend she went to his game in Wisconsin it was snowing maybe they got to do some winter things maybe they went to a Christmas tree farm maybe he um, unwrapped her by the fireplace ooh But yeah, she went to Wisconsin. Oh, maybe they went to the Wisconsin Dells. Slid down some water slides together. Skinny dipped. I don't know. But this was after she went to London for the Renaissance premiere. I love that she went to the Renaissance premiere. And I hate how people were saying she wasn't serving. How was she not serving? She looked like a mirror ball. Did you see her dress? All sequency. She was just being herself. You know, she's a mirror ball. All of her shattered edges glisten while we dance. She was really just dressed up as, as herself, but also in, like, Beyonce-themed. But I will say it's impressive. Taylor Swift loves London. We all know that. Everyone was like, oh, Taylor Swift and Beyonce are supporting each other again because Beyonce went to Taylor Swift's premiere. To be fair, though, Beyonce only had to drive to the Grove, which, by the way, we're like, I'm, like, right next to the Grove right now. I'm basically, like, in the Grove. So, Beyonce only had to come to the Grove. Taylor Swift flew to London. She crossed the pond for Beyonce because she's that amazing of a feminist. Period. She wants to support the other woman on top. But I will say it's impressive in London that Taylor Swift didn't pick up a London boy because we know she loves a London boy. She enjoys walking Soho shortage in the afternoon. But she didn't at this time because she has an American boy, Travis Kelsey. She kept her trousers on in London <laughs> because she was excited to go home to Travis I think she should get rid of the London boys, keep it, keep it in the USA, keep the Taylor Swift Corporation here on the soil. You know what really made me mad, though, is that Taylor was teasing Reputation so much at the Eras tour only to not announce it. She was teasing us. She was dragging us by the hair. On the floor, we were just like, "Uh, uh, uh," like, so excited for this announcement. And then she just dropped us. She was leading us on so much. I just felt like I was dragged through the mud. Like, I got my hopes up so high. Blue balls. No announcement. I was watching the live streams, the shows the whole time. She had, like, a snake going through the crowd with the lights. She had tree paint in on it. She hired the whole Empire State building that could have been teasing anything else. She had all her dancers, all her different Instagram, Tumblr, blah, 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 blogs being like, oh, she has a big reputation. She has a big reputation. And then nothing. Taylor, if you wanted to get back in your reputation era and make us hate you, you just did. No, I'm just kidding. I, but I was so bored. and Now she doesn't have another show for two months. Two months. And we, we, we just have to deal with this. We just have to wait now. I'm so pissed off. I really am. Um, Maybe she'll announce it in February, but I would appreciate if she would announce it now. Maybe Kanye was right. Maybe she is a liar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Speaking of albums dropping that people might not drop after teasing us, do you guys think Nikki is going to drop Pink Friday too? A part of me just thinks she's not going to drop it on December 8th because she's teasing it. She's teasing it. She's talking this up to be the best album in the whole effing world. Can I just read you some of her tweets because they make me laugh so much? She tweeted, Dear Barbs, it just dawned on me. I'm about to release one of the greatest albums of all time. (laughs) In all caps. Love always Harajuku Barbie. Then she tweeted, Right now as I type this, motherfuckers have no fucking idea what the fuck is about to fucking happen. The entire industry will change after December 8th, 2023. I shall appoint Barbs only. Every congressman, senator, president, monarchy, You name it. She's like hyping this album up to to be like the like just the most magnificent piece of work since Shakespeare himself. Like she is the ultimate Svengali. She she's she really made it seem like she painted the album like the Sistine Chapel. Like I'm so fucking excited. But a part of me just thinks she's not going to drop it because she keeps on like like tweeting things like this. Would you like Pink Friday 2 to come out next week on the 8th and puts up a poll? Yes or no? Of course, yes. Do you think we're going to say no? She she wants us to think she's not going to drop it. And then she'll tweet things like, oh, I'm actually in the studio right now. Might let y'all hear four bars or something. Only Nicki Minaj would be in the studio five days before an album is due. She worries me. She stresses me out. And I don't know if it's procrastination. I don't know if it's perfectionism. I don't know if she just is doing finishing touches. But I thought you have to have an album done months before it's out because you have to like print all the copies and you know do all like the 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 manufacturing and the preparation and stuff like that but i just don't think that's how nikki rolls i'm scared that she won't drop it but i'm so excited like l- l- we haven't got a nikki album in 5 years i remember the day queen came out I was very excited for it. But she was also like, Queen was not my best work. Like, I shouldn't have released it early. You know, I should have waited. So I hope she's genuinely very confident about this and releases it when it's done. But that better be in four days. It better be in four days. And next episode, we will talk about it. But a part of me just feels like Nikki just likes to ride the high of announcing things and ride the hype of promising things to her fans or acting like a rollout is happening. She just likes the the high of anticipation she likes to tease the fans and get their attention she's like oh a tour is happening but there's no dates booked yet but you can rsvp for the tour if you want oh like this live show is happening i'm going to jingle ball in chicago but you know what? actually i'm not going anymore she canceled that so i think nikki just is a lot of talk but let's hope she's a lot of rap as well and that should be coming out um december 8th and if it doesn't i'll be so pissed can we talk about something else, though? Right, the, This happened right before I got here, right before I came into the studio today. So I'm devastated. I'm. This was the worst news I've ever gotten in my whole life. We have lost one of the most iconic women, a pioneer, a true social media legend, oh, a, a only one-of-their-kind person, someone who never took life too seriously and gave me endless laughs. From the time I was 15 until now, I don't know if everyone will know this person, but Sophie, the cock destroyer, that's what she called herself. (laughs) If you've ever seen her and Rebecca on social media, they're these two, I think, you know, adult superstars, (laughs) if you know what I mean. But I never saw them in that capacity. Like I never sought that out, but they would make these short form videos. They were like doing TikTok before TikTok was even a thing. They would just do these short form videos and be like. We're the fucking cock destroyers. We're going to get your spunk all over our fucking face. And they just have all this like really dramatic uh, plastic surgery and these boobs that are so cartoony. They're like a caricature of like just like a blow up doll. But in the best way, the most iconic way, they have like the most massive lips and they would just call themselves the cock destroyers. And they were just like the funniest people of my whole life. And I love them. And then Sophie died. Yeah, Sophie died and i'm like what are they going to do with her body what does she want to do with her body like it just like she's just so iconic like i i i never i don't want to let her go and this hasn't sunken in yet This is what Rebecca said. I'm devastated hearing the awful news of Sophie's passing. We shared some amazing times together, and that's how I'm going to remember her. The bubbly, funny, kind-hearted soul who was outrageous on the outside, but also so gentle behind closed doors. We were very close, and we shared a crazy time together that was totally unique to us. Yeah, it was totally unique to them. That's for sure. That's how I will remember her. This is so tragic, but I know you are now at peace. I will always love you and hold a special place in my heart for you. We don't know how she died. I don't know. maybe, Maybe... maybe the cock destroyer got destroyed by cocker something but i guess more cocks are safe now from being destroyed rest in peace sophie this is like i i don't know how i'm going to cope with this i can lick it i can ride it while you slip it and slide it i can do all them little tricks and keep the dick up inside it you can smack it you- can go down and kiss it, and every time he leave me loud, he always tell me he missed it. He wanna F R E K F R E K A K A K A K A K E K A K S R you guys. Let me quickly tell let me quickly tell you my MRI results before we get into the next T of Billy Eilish coming out as bisexual. So If you know, I've been experiencing some like back pain and it was like, I went to Las Vegas with TikTok last month for BravoCon. I could barely even bend down without crying. And you know, you're in Vegas, you want to dance, you want to have fun, you want to do all this stuff. But I felt like I was this elderly man who just had to like sit in the corner and stare at everyone all creepily. But I was dancing in Vegas. I was just shaking it off like Taylor Swift said, but it was at like a full 100 out of 100. How will, Like, I couldn't throw it back for Andy Cohen if he wanted me to. I was on call for him to go up to his room, but I couldn't even throw it back. So that didn't happen. I'm still so upset that I didn't hook up with Andy Cohen. But my back was just hurting so effing bad. So I finally got my MRI. You guys know I finally got the results. And this is is what the T is. I didn't know that backs were so hard to operate on. I truly thought they'd be like, oh, you have this, you know, disc issue or like a curve in your spine. Like, we'll give you some shots or will we'll do some sort of intervention for you to heal it. But apparently, back pain is not very treatable at all. I got some doctor inside tea, and apparently doctors tell other doctors, friends don't let their other friends have back surgery because back surgery goes so terrible. So now I never want back surgery, but I guess I don't need it because my results were that I have like a three millimeter disc issue or slip or something my doctor, though, he just, he's, like, I love him. I think he's amazing. I i don't know. I just started to work with him. But he's one of those people who seemed like he could not give a shit about what's going on with you. Like, my one of my therapists who would, like, forget my name in between every session and, like, for, ask me for my name, like, halfway through every meeting. Like, he didn't give a shit. Like, sometimes I'm just, like, does my doctor care? But he was telling me that, you know, there's really no- nothing I can do. You just deal with it. And, um... Like this was his voice on the phone call. He was like, I don't think there's anything you can do. Like if you want me to refer you to a back doctor, if you want, I could. And I was like, what do you mean if I want? Like should I or should I not? I just feel so lost and it didn't really give me a lot of answers. But I am going to go to a back specialist. I couldn't get an appointment until January. So I guess I'll just look like like a hunchback until then. But that's kind of a vibe, right? I'll look like... A troll of some sort. But um, apparently also my back is too straight. My lower back, you know, when you see a skeleton statue and their lower spine is curved, you know, probably for like healthy mobility and that's how humans are supposed to be built. My back is too straight in the lower part. So that makes me more prone to these issues. I wish I knew that so I would, like, take it easier on my lower back at all times. But I swear to God, I always thought that about myself because whenever I would bend over, my back just looked hunched in a weird way. And people would comment on it sometimes, like, why does your back curve like that or what's going on? And I would be like, oh, my God, am I built weird? Am I built different? Is something wrong? Apparently, I am built different. So it's nice when you get some confirmation on these weird theories you have about yourself and your own body. I'm sure you guys have some students, like – Maybe you notice something about you that you feel like is different or something. Maybe get it checked out. Maybe it is. So apparently my back is just too straight, but it should heal on its own. That's the straightest thing about me, I guess, because nothing else about me is straight. But you know who else is not straight? Billie Eilish. So Billie Eilish came out this week. Oh, I am totally shocked. I had no idea. I would never guess. This is completely and utterly surprising. She's the last person I thought would be bisexual. I'm kidding. But she was in the variety power of women issue. And this is what she said. By the way, the interviewer didn't even ask about like, is, like they didn't ask, are you bisexual? Are you gay? Just talking about her relationship with women. And she said, uh, "Billy hasn't always been a girl's girl. In fact, she spent much of her life plagued by the assumption that other women didn't like her. She said, I've never really felt like I could relate to, ver- to other girls very well. I love them so much. I love them as people. I'm attracted to them as people. I'm attracted to them for real. I have deep connections with the women in my life the friends in my life and the family in my life. I'm physically attracted to them. We will, we will, we will. She came out. Er, er. I'd rather be dry, but at least I'm alive. Your black, white bitch. Let us that your Lebanese. your She's gay. She just came out. She was born this way, baby. She was born this way, baby. No, uh, God makes no mistakes. So that was her coming out. She says, I'm physically attracted to them, but I'm also so intimidated by their beauty and their presence. So she came out in the Variety article and I'm so like happy for her. That's amazing. Um, You know, another member of the LGBTQ. I know people think I don't like bisexuals. I love bisexuals. Like I just play when I say everyone's welcome here, even the bisexuals. It's just a joke. I love them all. Uh, Sometimes I just think I would be intimidated if I dated a bisexual man. That's my only issue. But like, that's my issue. Like there's nothing wrong with bisexuals. But so this is what she said um, in response to it because The next day or something, she went to the Variety Power of Women's uh, like event. It was like a gala of some sort. And on the red carpet, the interviewer was like, um, you know, saw your Variety article. Uh, How do you feel about it? Did you mean to come out in it because everyone's saying you came out? And she goes, I kind of thought, well, wasn't it obvious? I didn't realize people didn't know. I just don't really believe in it. AKA, she doesn't really believe in coming out. So that's why she did not before. She continued and said, I'm just like, why can't we just exist? Okay, so I did think it's interesting when she says she doesn't believe in coming out. She continued, and the interviewer kind of asked, you know, are you still scared of girls? Billy goes, I'm still scared of them, but I think they're pretty. Then Billy goes, well... No, sorry. Then the interview goes, Billy, did you mean to come out in this story? And Billy says, no, I didn't. I kind of thought, wasn't it obvious? I didn't realize people didn't know. I just don't really believe in coming out. I've been doing this for a long time and I just haven't talked about it. Whoops. So what has she been doing for a long time? Has she been doing girls for a long time? Billy then said, but I saw the article and I was like, oh, I guess I came out today. It's exciting to me because I didn't know that people didn't know. So it's just cool that they know now. Alright, we gotta talk about your cover story because you mentioned that you felt like for a long time women didn't like you and when that came out, all the women were like, no, we love her! How did that reception feel? Has your mind changed a little bit? I'm still scared of them, but I think they're pretty. (laughs) Billie! Did you you mean to come out in the story? Girl! (laughs) No, I didn't, but I kind of thought, wasn't it obvious? Like, it's kind of been... I just I didn't realize people didn't know. So we need to get to a point where you don't even have to come out. So I I, I just don't really believe in it. I'm Same. just like why can't we just exist? I've been doing this for a long time and I just didn't talk about it. Whoops. Same. I literally was like to my mom and dating women now. But I was like I was like I saw all the articles. I was like oh I guess I I guess I came out today. I was like oh I guess okay cool. But I'm time. It's exciting to me because. You know, I guess people didn't know, so it's cool that they know, but ooh, I'm nervous talking uh, I'm right. okay. I'm a gay, about it. I'm not. Okay, you're safe. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, but no, it's uh, I am for the girls. Before we get ahead of ourselves in this situation because this is not the tumultuous part. Like things do get a little bit messy in here, but I agree with Billie Eilish that coming out is strange. However, due to our society and um certain hate groups, And the fact that we just have a heteronormative society coming out is seen as this essential thing, this big, huge deal with a lot of weight on it and this like turning point in the life of LGBTQ people because how much like weighted pressure is on it. But I do think that coming out is strange, but I think it's society's fault. Like if everyone has in the whole history of humanity was always 100 percent accepting it wouldn't ever be a thing. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be this huge coming out moment. It would just be that you are gay and you were born that way and no one assumed that you were straight from the time you were born. But we don't live in a society like that. Obviously, I am gay, if you cannot tell, students. My coming out, I feel like I never really did. Like, we can get more into it at one point, but I feel like I just always lived my life acting gay, even from the time I was, like, three or four. My mom said she knew I was gay since I was, like, Three, so I never really once in my life pretended to be straight I was never really in the closet ever for personal reasons that's like a deeper story but I'm happy that I kind of at least in like my small like network of people like normalized not coming out to people around me because my plan was always like I'm just gonna my coming out moment like when I come out will be when I start taking part in being gay if that makes sense like when I start hooking up and putting the sex and sexuality if that makes sense so that's what I did. Um, but like when people would ask me growing up, are you gay? Are you blah, blah, blah? They would ask me since I was like like seven. Like the way that my sexuality was investigated and interrogated out of me from the time I was a very young child is super, 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 super weird. So I agree with Billie Eilish, coming out is weird. Like everyone's like, don't sexualize kids, but why are you berating kids to come out from the time they're like five years old? But even when people would ask me when I was five, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm straight. I'm straight. Please be- like believe me, believe me. I would be like, I don't know. Do you think I know? Like, do you, do you think I've developed yet, girl? Like, I don't know. Like, I was never really in the closet. I would be like that. That Azalea banks me. I'd be like, so now what? So what? Like, like that would be the whole thing. So I like that she also normalized like not really coming out, or I guess in this case like not coming out in like a like a huge way. I I, I would just say straight people, you you really don't know how easy you have it. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of annoyed with you straight people out there. You have no idea how easy you have it. You didn't have to have this excruciatingly vulnerable moment and this like in, impending uh like soul exposing talk with people about the deep personal issue of your sexual desire because you know your sexuality was just assumed and it was assumed correctly. So good for you for being normal. No, I'm just kidding. You're not normal, but you yeah, you just ign- You just existed. You just existed. Luckily for me, like most people were accepting um, in my life tremendously and amazingly. And I'm so lucky. But for a huge percentage of LGBTQ people, you know, on the other side of coming out, it's not a very good situation. That's why you should never out people, which is what we're about to talk about. But I think outing is one of the most heinous violations, a a nasty crime. I know people who have like outed people before and I never speak to them again. I think that's so tone deaf and like ruthless and it's not like a like a like a comeback that you can do for people or like like a low blow or a way to get back at someone it's actually I just think should be considered a crime like it's it's really embarrassing it's the lowest of the low roads uh so Billie Eilish has already lost 100,000 followers after coming out she's lost 100,000 followers after coming out that's like the trash emptying itself the trash just took out itself thank god let's not waste the time but it's really crazy how people just you are acknowledging that you're gay for the first time. Oh, unfollow. Like they're okay with you acting gay, doing all these things. You know, Billie Eilish, as people would say, she's been dressing very like androgynous, LGBTQ esque. Uh, so they're fine with that. But the second she admits it, oh, unfollow. It's so insane to me. And I forget that people are just cut from a different cloth and still carry around that hatred. I forget that, but it's really crazy. But I think it caused Billie to panic. Like the, the, Result she saw from her coming out and the I think just like the way it happens it does like take a toll on someone and throws them for a loop so Billie Eilish did something that I've really never seen her do before and she posted this on Instagram it was just like she posted with a carousel of photos of her outfit cute photos of her outfit but the caption was thanks variety for my award and also outing me. On a red carpet at 11 a.m. Instead of talking about anything else that matters. I like boys and girls. Leave me alone about it. Please. Literally, who cares? Stream what was I made for? Wow. And it got 3 million likes. She came for them. She told them. But like, Billy. Whoa. You know the publicist was screaming. You know the publicist was like, not uh gone through for that one she didn't run that by the publicist <laughs> i will say in that response outing is a really 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 heavy word that shouldn't just be thrown around outing to me is like there was malintent there was um what's what's that called when there's like pre-contemplation there were oh oh oh. it's like premeditated it's something horrible like outing uh, she was not outed billy eilish i think the interviewer did a fine job I don't want to cast her in that light. I don't even know the interviewer's name, but I don't want to cast her in that light or give her that wrath of being an outer because she's not at all. And Billie Eilish, like, she... Yeah, she was like, they didn't ask me about the music or anything important. She knows the music industry is way more than the music. We like artists for more than their music. Don't act like you don't. It's the whole package. It's the whole sale. It's you as a person, Um, So I think even though she was acting nonchalant about it in the interview and she was like, yeah, I didn't know that everyone didn't know. Wasn't it obvious? I think it was really affecting her in in a way that she wasn't showing. And I think it probably made her very nervous seeing herself lose all of those followers. So she's kind of um, like, what's the word? Um, um, She's like getting mad. She's like she's she's snapping back in a way and. I don't know. I th- I, th- I think it really is affecting her. And it's just a big, like, life change because now she has that title and will live as an LGBTQ person and get used to all the biases that come her way. And she has, like, this whole new amazing lease on life, like an incredible lease on life. But it's just a big transition to go through. So I think she has... Her life has been turned upside down in a way, and that's why she kind of snapped at Variety. But I also love that she came out in a very nonchalant way, and I think this will further the idea that you don't have to come out. And obviously, if someone's going to unfollow her because she's bisexual, they were never a real fan to begin with. So thank you, Billy. We love you, LGBTQ sister. Let's continue on and talk about Lil Nas X, because obviously this is another gay person. Lil Nas X is one of my favorite people in the industry. I went to go see his concert. I'm constantly trying to find him on Hinge and Raya. I love him so much. I think he's so attractive. We're like the same age and he's honestly a pretty big inspiration for me. Just seeing him achieve everything and his whole um, like vlog series that he did about manifesting his career and building his way from the bottom. I really do love Lil Nas X. And disclaimer before we talk about this, because he's making Christian music now, like Jesus music. We love that. But Disclaimer before we get into it, because I forget that people like, uh, need disclaimers. I, f- I forget that people for like forget that every human is nuanced and they don't enjoy nuanced conversations and they don't understand what's already assumed before talking about a subject. It's assumed that I respect your religion, it's assumed that I hold in high regards people's face and their right to believe in whatever they want to. We're just having a fun conversation. I feel like we're all on like the religious spectrum at some point and we can comment on religion itself. Um, and how it affects us and other people while still respecting it. So, of course, I have the utmost respect for all religions. But Lona's X was teasing his Christian music. He's now making Christian music. This is a big divergent from his old music where he would be giving the devil a lap dance and being very in his satanic Illuminati era. People are kind of surprised by this. But he posted a snippet of a Christian song the lyrics go, Father, stretch my hands. The lonely road seems to last the longest. Help me with my plans. Everything seems to go nowhere. And it's like, Father, give me hope when I feel hopeless. You know, he's preaching to the man upstairs. Preaching to the big man upstairs. We love that. But then he, uh, his caption of that was, Y'all mind if I enter my Christian era? This was like very premeditated too. I was wondering why he was dressing how he was at the VMAs in August or whenever that was, but he was wearing like a slutty Christian outfit and he was carrying around a Bible. <laughs> I was so confused. He just looked like if a nun was about to get freaky with her sisters and like experiment for a night at the nunnery or something, he just looked like a slutty nun. Some would say he was serving God. Wink. Do you get it? Cause like, People say I serve God, but he was like dressing in a godly outfit. So he was like serving God, you know, anyway, people were very mad at him. They think he's just, you know, using God as like a hunch or whatever to sell his new music because that's what he's done before. They think he's just like a marketing ploy, a a gimmick. Tyrese Gibson from Fast and Furious. I'm not familiar with his work. Um, There's like a billion Fast and Furious movies. I don't have time to learn about 500 different actors on IMDb, but He said, y'all are going to learn to stop playing with God. God is not to be played with from shoes with the devil signs and devil's blood in the show soul. We can all change. I get it. But I feel a way about people making a mockery of Jesus. Do you live your life? Do what makes you happy, but y'all better stop playing with Jesus. So Luna's ex kind of had a response to that. People saying that he's not a real Christian music maker. He's not the next Kanye hosting like Sunday service and doing all of this, blah, blah, blah. Lonazek said, y'all see everything I do as a gimmick, when in reality, I'm just an artist expressing myself in different ways. Whether I'm a cowboy, gay, satanic, or now Christian, y'all find a problem. Y'all don't police nobody else's art like mine. Y'all hate me because I'm fun, cute, and petite. (laughs) That is so something I would say. That's why I'm laughing at it. He is just so funny to me. He is so funny. Funny to me. I love him so much. Um, but yeah, remember in Call Me by Your Name when he was taking the stripper pole down to hell and like giving Satan a lap dance and like hooking up with him. I mean, I thought that was fierce. And I understand people were like, he's so satanic. That is like that was seen at that time as like groundbreaking. That was before Doja Cat was doing her whole like, I'm getting possessed and exercised every day in my Instagram story, and I'm the devil, a bad little bitch, I'm a rebel wearing the horns and being Satan's most enthusiastic servant. Like that was before Doja Cat was doing that. Uh, I I always thought the, me- the message of that was very clear. He wasn't doing that to disrespect the devil or the God or whatever. He was doing that because uh, like he was getting 3 million DMs every single day that everyone was telling him you're going to go down to hell for being gay. You guys literally put the idea in his hands. You said, I'm going to hell for being gay. Okay, well, I'm going to make a music video of me getting in the sexiest stripper outfit, getting on 10-inch platform heels and taking a stripper pole down to hell because that's what you told me is going to happen. That was very obvious to me that that was his intention. And you guys literally put the idea in his lap. He literally did that basically because you asked him to. I don't think he was going out of his way to disrespect anyone. It just so happened to be a great marketing ploy and a great way to get attention to his music. But it only made sense because there was like artistic integrity behind it. And something that was actually really um, crucial to his life story. Unlike Doja Cat, she kind of just seems to be hating her fans and demonic for no reason. Or maybe she has like a splinter in her toe and she's like mad about it and needs to get it taken out. But this is what Lanazac said. He said, y'all hate that I symbolically took ownership of the very place y'all condemned gay people to. Gay people to. So you flipped the script and convinced everyone that it's about me mocking God. But it was never about that. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't think he was mocking it. Um, you know, it's not like he had this plan to from day one of his career, like, oh, I'm going to offend Christianity just to get out there and like get my name out there. No, it's it's because you put the idea into his lap and it like no shade. It just seems preposterous that Christians are surprised at some of their victims, like irreverence to their cause when like they literally condemn them to hell and they're saying they're going to be banished to eternal suffering. Of course, people are going to be a little irreverent of your cause Because of that. You know what my favorite thing to do is when the people in WeHo, like, um, WeHo is like a strip of West Hollywood bars that I love to go to. But there's, of course, all these people with like, you know, when you go to a Liddy Gaga concert or a Kesha concert and there's signs that are like, you're going to hell, like blah, 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 like repent. He's coming. Jesus is coming there's always people like that. And we also, I love when they come up to me and they're like, do you have time to like hear about Jesus? The thing that I love to do, by the way, like I respect Jesus. I feel like I'm on the religious spectrum somewhere. Like I love the whole thing, but obviously they don't need to like threaten me. And when I'm just trying to enjoy my night, um, but they're like, do you have time to learn about Jesus? Um, you know, he can walk with you every step of the way. He's always with you. What I do is I pretend I have no schema of Christianity at all. I've never heard about it ever. It drives them insane because their power is that they assume everyone has some sort of prior schema to religion because they've like forced it upon the whole world. Uh, so I just take that power away from them and they're like, Jesus will rescue you. And I'm like, who? Who's that? I've never heard of that person. You're like, you know, the the guy upstairs, like he's watching down at you at all times. And I'm like, I've never heard of that person. I just do not know who that is. There was this one guy who was like trying to like get me to, I don't know, like do something with his church or something. And he was like, Jesus will give you everything you're missing on this earth. He'll fix your soul. And you know what he meant by fix my soul. Like he was like, he'll fix your soul. He'll give you everything you need. And I was like, I already have everything I need. I don't need that man to give me anything. And he was like, he's not a man. And I was like, okay, well then who is he? Like, who are you talking about? And I was like, I already have everything I want. Like I have passions and people who love me and every material item I could need a healthy network of friends and family. Well, he was like, all right, well, well, you can't take those with you to the afterlife. And I was like, well, duh. He was like, he'll, he'll give you more than earthly possessions. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I need more than earthly possessions. And then I'll just be like, do you want a dollar? Is that what this is about? Sabrina Carpenter. This is why we have to talk about this this week because everyone is just all these Gen Z people, Gen Z just definitely has an interesting take on that whole, like, religion talk. But Sabrina Carpenter, another big Gen Z artist, someone who also seems to be irreverent of the church because she filmed a music video for her her song Feathers at a church. And this music video um, depicted her murdering people and there was blood everywhere. Basically a bunch of fuckboys who were trying to get with her. She murdered them instead of getting with them because she would rather die or have them die than get with a fuckboy, which, you know can't blame her she has a point she's an icon she's a legend and Sabrina Carpenter is the moment I mean come on now you can't blame her but her music video was very controversial so this outlet says Sabrina Carpenter's music video for Feather premiered online earlier this month and generated buzz on social media for its blood-soaked scenes of men killing each other over her as well as shots of her scantily clad scantily clad. I I love that phrase. I'm going to start to call my haters that in the comments, scantily clad. I feel like no one said that since the 1950s and dancing around the altar of the annunciation of the blessed Virgin Mary church in New York city, adding to what many saw as offensive and disrespectful. Sabrina Carpenter's production crew added plenty of non-religious decorations in and around the church sanctuary, including including several coffins, one of which featured the words rest in peace, bitch on its face. Uh, So the bishop who allowed Sabrina Carpenter to film in this church for the music video was fired. He was removed from his position because they take stuff like this very seriously. (laughs) By the way, Feathers is a bop. Feather, it's one of my favorite songs this year. I listen to it all the time. I blocked so many men this year who were just awful. So when she sings the line, I got you blocked, excited to never talk. I am excited to never talk to people. And it makes me so happy, like reminding me that I never have to talk to these fuckboys again. And I get why, how she was displaying that in her art by them dying. Like I get it, but this was her response to the church being mad at her. She said, we got approval in advance and Jesus was a carpenter. She literally said that about Jesus She's hilarious. She's she's just hilarious. I didn't know Jesus' job. I just thought he was a Nepo baby. But the pop girls aren't offending Jesus like this anymore. Like Gaga would do it. Madonna would do it. So she's just... this These blonde pop girls, you know, it's a rite of passage. So she's definitely made that checkpoint. And I'm sure, you know... I just feel like all these Gen Z people are just like modern Christians. Like they're not trying to offend. They're using it in more of like an artistic way. Of course they still respect religion. We all do. We all Love it. But I feel like they're just doing it in a modern way. And I'm sure Jesus could have a laugh at it. He was like, Sabrina, like he like saw her film, the feather music video. It was like, Sabrina, you know, you're not supposed to do that in the church. LOL. Stop it. and just like, I don't know. I'm sure he, he didn't care. It was all in good fun. But yeah, if you're not living a life, you'd be burned at the stake for in the 1700s. Are you even living? No. However, to finish this segment up, I, I will say I do agree with the Christians about this one thing because she did bring like like I feel like Christians can can have all their like powerful statements and like, you know, their their rules and stuff and not liking me in their church. And I feel like if it's in their church, like it kind of is Sabrina's fault because she brought it into their place of worship. So I do agree with the church at this point. So I understand the Christians there and they win. They win. They win. Slam the door, ignore. Say no, 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 no more. Got you blocked, excited to never talk. I am so sorry for your loss. <laughs> All right, you guys. So do you want to know something sad I did this week? My my mom, who is incredible and amazing, she sent my Christmas gifts from Chicago to L.A. for me to open. And I like how I was going off about how if you celebrate Christmas too early, you're an abomination and you're so annoying. And I was being all bah humbug about it. But my mom sent them like a month early. That's just who my mom is. Like she's so early with literally everything. Like if she says we're going to go hang out in like three hours, she really means an hour and a half. So I know I have to like get dressed and everything super fast. She just loves being early. So she sent me all the presents and I opened them on FaceTime with her. But it was super sad. Like the fact that, you know, I moved away and like we have to open them on a phone. That's definitely one of the sad parts about life in LA, but it makes sense because I am going home for Christmas, but she didn't want me to have to put all of them in my bag and then like pay for like an expensive suitcase when I go back to LA after. Um, but yeah. It, it was just like a sad moment like being on FaceTime with her and seeing her reactions over FaceTime and you know, not being able to like just unwrap it and open it together and like have the whole Christmas tree and stuff. One of the downsides of being here for sure, but overall like I I do love being in LA and I'm coming up on my six months of being here December 17th will be my six months and I don't know I do love LA I feel like I definitely belong here and I'm having a great time the spiders in my apartment are gone and like I feel like I didn't leave my family because I, I had no reason to like I genuinely have so many opportunities out here and I am go to these events and these work opportunities every single week, multiple times a week. Like I'm doing so many exciting things this week and next week. And I'm going to an event somewhere close, like a music festival next week with TikTok. And I wouldn't be able to have all these amazing, amazing experiences. So my mother's just the most amazing person for staying back and watching me shine and like supporting me from afar and giving me all these things to be excited and happy about and staying in touch and just keeping our connection the best ever. But yeah, I could tell just like, On the Facetime, she like wishes I was there, but I will be home in Illinois soon. Um, But yeah, she got me so many like, oh my god, the slippers I'm wearing right now. I'm putting them in the camera. If you're on the YouTube version, I got these from her. I I'm obsessed with slippers. I wear them everywhere I can possibly have an excuse to. Sometimes I accidentally leave my house in slippers when I like am going to the gym, and I'm like, wait, I'm just so used to them being on. I need to go put on gym shoes. Um, I got cute clothes and like a book and like health and wellness things that I always. Love to take part in. I'm I, I don't know if you guys follow me on Snapchat. I'm doing the whole like gold star like member, blah blah blah. Because I'm a gold star gay, you know? <laughs> no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm doing the gold star member on Snapchat thing and I'm posting all like the wellness foods that I try in LA. So check me out in there. I think my name on Snapchat is Patty Eminger. Although it might be Patrick Eminger because that's what I put it in as. But Patrick is my dead name, so don't call me that. Only refer to me as Patty. But yeah, Professor Patty. But go follow me in there. I think I'm gonna go to Air one after this. Kim Kardashian was holding like an air one bag at the one fashion show the other day. So I was like, oh, my God, I forgot that place existed. Maybe I'll get the Hailey Bieber smoothie. I don't know. Also, I forgot. I forgot to tell you guys the, the tea that happened at the Spotify party when we were talking about um, Spotify earlier in the podcast. So this is the tea that happened. Now, I will say this is un, unconfirmed, but I was right there. Like I was standing right there. So this is not a blind item. Like I'm going to say names like this is like a, like a, like I'm I'm not going to tiptoe around this. So at this Spotify party, this was so amazing because it was like a bunch of influencers crammed like sardines into the smallest venue ever we were at capacity for that party like totally there was 200 people in the smallest venue but it's a really like famous great venue like it's a really good venue especially for little performances and they were doing karaoke so there's a cute little stage but it's very like you know it's a nice stage so here we all are there's 200 of us that might be a nightmare for some of you thinking like a bunch of influencers crammed together. But it was a bunch of influencers on different level of influence. So like they had nowhere to go but to intermix and mingle. So I just got to talk to a bunch of people. I was talking to Tana Mojo and Brooke. They do like a podcast. And obviously you probably know who Tana is. And Victoria Justice was there. I was just like talking to Victoria Justice, which is so wild. Like my childhood was made like Tori Vega. Are you kidding? I know people like think Victoria Vegas a pick me girl, but I've always loved Victoria Justice. And she did karaoke, which I know what you're thinking. The famous meme of her being like, I think we all sang. She was singing on stage. She was doing Taylor Swift karaoke. That reminded me of the Victoria's episode, Freak the Freak Out, where she starts as like this ugly troll with prosthetic makeup on and the mean girls from the other school are like laughing at her but then she slowly like takes off all of her prosthetics and like gets sexy um and I guess that makes the other girls hate themselves or develop insecurity issues I don't know but it was just like a funny plot but she was doing karaoke so I was like oh my god I'm living my victorious fantasy all all they need is like someone next to me who's like a ventriloquist and have their puppet insulting me but uh, I was talking to Dixie D'Amelio. She's so, so, so nice. We were like, we we hit it off a lot, me and Dixie, and she was telling me how much she loves my account. And not like in a fake way, like she's just seen one video. She knew me so well. She like knew my nuances, what I say, like my brand. And I was like, whoa, like that's wild. So shout out to you, Dixie. But anyway, at some point, I was standing right next to Tana Mongeau watching Victoria Justice do karaoke And I was obviously thinking it'd be such a funny TikTok if I record myself saying, I think we all sing. And then it's Victoria Justice singing karaoke. But because I am, you know, Professor Patty, I'm for the celebrities. I'm on the celebrity side. Like, I'm never trying to, like, bring anyone down here. I'm more, like, against the haters online, if that makes sense. Whereas, I guess Tana Mongeau is just powerful enough where she doesn't really have to worry about that. So Tana Mongeau posted that TikTok, a TikTok of her watching Victoria do karaoke. Then it turns to her and she's saying, oh, I think we all sing. My 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 friend who then talked to Tana afterwards, apparently Victoria Justice like came up to her when she saw that she posted that and called her like a bad name or a bad word or something and was really mad at her for doing so and like retaliated in a way. I don't know. But there was beef going on there. Like she called her a hooker or something. I don't know. Allegedly, but I was right there and I did see the TikTok getting made. Like that did happen in real life. So not to spill the tea or anything. I love them both. Um, not really choosing any sides there. I do love Tana. I will say something about Tana when I did talk to her, she is so good socially. Like she just knows how to work a room and network so well. Like she just knows how to do the small talk better than anyone I've seen. And I knew she would just, just seeing how she like builds her, uh, career and like gets with people and, uh, not gets with people, but like collabs with people and, like has a really just well-oiled machine of like a network. Like she really keeps herself going. And I was like, she must be really, really good socially. So I was talking to her and I was like, Tana Mojo, you're good. And I do love her podcast. She's very eloquent in the way she talks yet, like vulgar and shocking. And I think that mix is why people really like her, like really, uh, indicates, uh, intelligently like phrased stories, but also in the most vulgar, exciting way. So good for Tana. Something else about tennis podcast. Matt Reif was on her podcast the other week and he was like, I'll never get canceled. I'll never get canceled. I'm uncancelable." No one is immune. No one is immune to being canceled. You're, okay. No one has the immunity necklace. No one has some grant of like, you are not immortal. You are not incancellable. So Matt Reif was canceled this week. Very, very bad. I'm sure you have seen this. If you don't know who Matt Rife is, he's probably like the biggest comedian right now in the world and when i said that on tiktok everyone's like no he's not patty i hate you like he's not the biggest comedian in the world i was kind of just saying that to like i don't know have a hook in my tiktok but he really is like he sells out stadiums who's doing it like him who is really doing it like him he's not the one two or the three you say you look up to her but really you look up to me i can't wait for a pink friday too but really who is doing it like him like no one um no one is batting like him in the comedian game right now, but he is now getting canceled because of a lot of comments he made. So here's five reasons Matt Rife is getting canceled. Number one is because he disrespects women's bodies and says really crazy comments about them. So for a star, like he is this huge mega star, but the women have made him famous and he knows his fan base is mostly women. So it's interesting that he wouldn't hesitate to say the most heinous things about women's bodies when he knows They're his whole fan base. So this is what he says on the uh, Stiff Socks podcast. If that tells you anything about what's about to be said. Stiff Socks podcast. I might have a few stiff socks. No, I'm just kidding. But he said, I don't love a giant clit. I don't want to look down and have it look like God left the tag on you. Am I supposed to fuck you or thumb wrestle you? I don't want your pussy to look like the gum from Sausage Party. He really said that. And even saying that was really nasty to say but that's the most like nasty fuck boy just like trashy um just like sleazy scummy man thing to say i don't love a giant clip i don't want i don't want i don't want to look down and feel like they like like god left a tag on and i think a lot of girls were very disenchanted with him when he said that because you know he's kind of seen as this cute little boy like more man idol that they want to be perfect and they want to pretend like they're their, like he's their boyfriend because he's so sexy and funny and they want to have this like parasocial relationship with him in that romantic way which is honestly weird to think about if you think about it but he needs to like monitor that relationship and he's gonna ruin it with all these girls if he keeps on saying these horrible like fuckboy things like no one wants to deal with that so his second thing is that he just had a netflix special and i'm sure you've heard about this but A huge, like, high-budget Netflix special. He filmed it in this huge arena, like, tens of thousands of people there. He's so famous. But he started this special with a domestic violence joke where he was saying, like, oh, me and my friend went to this restaurant, and the hostess who seats you, she had a black eye. And we were like, oh, my God, why does the hostess have a black eye? That's not what you want to see when you walk into a restaurant. Uh, And we both knew exactly how she got that black eye. There's no mistaking how she got it. They should put her... Uh, no, and then he said his friend said that maybe they should put the hostess in the kitchen so no one has to see her black eye. And then Matt said, I think if she knew how to cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. The hostess had a black eye. And my boy who I was with was like, yeah, I feel bad for her, man. I feel like they should you know, put her in the kitchen or something. Where <laughs> nobody has to see her face, you know? And I was like, yeah, but I feel like if she could cook, she wouldn't have that black eye. <laughs> But it sh- no, there was really no punchline there. But I think he thought it was like the funniest thing in the whole world. It's these pretty men who just are so used to like having everyone laugh at everything they say. So they don't really need to up their comedy very much to get the laughs out of you. Like some people just say he is not really that funny at all. He just relies on the looks and the shock factor. I saw a lot of people making TikToks like doing skits where they pretend to be Matt Reif and saying the most boring, not funny thing. And then going like, yeah, bro, that was so funny. And then like a bunch of girls go crazy. Like he really doesn't have to say anything truly funny to get laughs. And yeah, I guess that's what happened to him in his Netflix special. Then when he went to apologize for the domestic violence joke, because he said he'll never apologize for a joke. Like comedy is comedy. Uh, He doesn't care what you think. And he won't be canceled. So when he went to fake apologize for all the backlash he was getting, he posted on his Instagram story, uh, you know, I'm sorry if my joke offended you. To solve your issue, click this link. And you thought the link would be to, like, support domestic violence victims or something. But the link took you to a website that spells that sells special needs helmets. Saying anyone who was offended by this joke needs a special needs helmet. Crazy. ruthless, Roofless. Roofless absolutely wild like the biggest balls in the whole world doing that being a comedian would be scary oh especially what happened whoa what comedian got ran up on when they were on stage and like tackled to the ground that's gonna happen to him someday some emboldened you know pick me boy who wants to like be the savior of women is gonna attack him on stage one day and he'll think he'll be the new matt rife and take his spot but i don't know Matt Reif might just beat his ass, but I think Matt Reif also may get his ass beat in one day. So that's very scary territory with him. So number three is that he touched Zendaya's face. He went on wild and out and like people didn't like that. He like felt so confident to touch her face during one of the segments. It was one of those things where like you put water in your mouth and you try to make the other person laugh. So they spit it out and whoever spits it out first loses. So Zendaya had the water in her mouth and he like grabbed her face and he was like, Let me get your number, baby. Spit it out so I can get your number, like blah, blah, blah. And he was saying like a bunch of other weird jokes. But um, when he grabbed like Zendaya's face, like her, like he, the the rumor on the street is Matt Reif has put a lot of money in uh, in plastic surgery into his face. But Zendaya's face is still worth much more than his. So do not touch her face. That's really bold that he would even say that. Again, he must have the biggest balls of steel, like bull balls down there because he just does not give a fuck. Uh, people almost, like, ran up on him and wowed it out and were like, get away from Zendaya. But he thought it was, um, a lot of people thought it was very weird. Fourth, the fourth reason people um are canceling him is because on Tana's podcast called Canceled, he said the most tone-deaf comment, a very narcissistic comment about, like, if anyone really hates him for anything he's ever said or done, it's because they're jealous of him. He said, here's a very humbling epiphany I've had recently. Because so many fucking people hate me for no real reason and it really made me realize that people only hate somebody they're jealous of I've been guilty of hating people and when I really sat back and thought about it it was because I was jealous of where that person was in their life like I felt like they got an opportunity that maybe I should have gotten and then when Tana when he was finished speaking Tana responded to him and obviously hearing the absurdity of what he just said and the self-serving you know thing he just said Tana responds That was really, really, that was a really, really good, well-rounded answer. I'm trying to wrap my head around. Do you think people hate Osama bin Laden because they're jealous of him? That was her response to him being like, Matt, people aren't mad at you because they're jealous of you. They're mad at you because you are an asshole and say asshole things. To me, Matt Reif is very offensive like he definitely relies on those shock factory jokes maybe he doesn't have the most clever setup and that's why people don't really tolerate it Uh, like I I think if a comedian like genuinely spelled out the best joke in the whole world and they got the crowd going like they were on the edge of their seat for the build-up and then they had the funniest punchline in the whole world and it was so clever and they just forced that laugh out of you even if it was offensive they would still be like okay like we got to give it to him like that was a good joke but Matt rife like he he just doesn't seem to have the like co- the comedic chops to really deserve that respect and also the past to be so offensive at the same time like his jokes just need to like up himself a bit more i will say i i do commend him for never apologizing fully i think what he did to apologize was very fucked up like i don't uh, respect how he went about it but just the aspect of never apologizing because um that kind of like sends you down or like a like just a point of like, it puts you down like a point of no return. Like if you apologize for one joke, you're going to be expected to apologize for a bunch of jokes. And then another angry mob will come at you for apologizing. And cause then you've like admitted wrongdoing. Like he was never going to accept defeat in that way. So good for him. He's sticking to his story. He definitely knows what he's doing in that sense. But I think just as like a pretty person, he, he claims he used to be ugly. He used to be all this, but he said he was ugly till he was like 23. Like he's almost 30. Like he's he has been attractive for a long time. Now, to me, pretty people just have like pretty affluenza. Do you know what I'm saying? Like affluenza is when someone's like so rich their whole lives so they don't understand what it's like to be poor or like, you know, any hardship in that way. Pretty people just have like attractive affluenza where they're just so used to like everyone just gassing them up for nothing and laughing at everything they say and just giving them all this positive reinforcement for doing nothing that he thinks he can do no wrong. Like he just thinks he can do no wrong, but he like, he actually can. And he's used to being um, rewarded for saying these offensive jokes that, you know, people just forgive him for, and he's able to move on. So that's going to happen for him again. My conclusion of this is that Matt Reif is going to win in the end. Matt Reif is going to win in the end. He's not gonna be canceled people forgive him because he's attractive and because he's sexy and that sounds like the most like shallow conclusion to come to but truly like his career is going to continue he's going to be fine um because people at the end of the day they're just so mesmerized by beauty and like hypnotized by it especially his fan base like they're so in love with him and girls like a toxic relationship like they like someone that they have to like apologize for and be like i can fix him like no guys he didn't mean that but at the end of the day he has that pretty privilege and he's gonna keep saying these offensive things whether you like it or not. So Matt Rife is going to win um, good for Matt Rife and again, there's I, I think we can condemn him because like he should be kind of like slapped on the wrist at least. like I think there is a way that comedy goes too far. I think he can continue to be a comedian but with a slap on the wrist and like some revising to his script but he's not going to um because y'all just can't get past his perfect jawline and eyes and ripped body and yeah I think he's hot but I don't know he's like not my type so I've I've never been too fawning over him but yeah Matt Reif is gonna win in the end all right you guys well thank you for joining me today in pop culture university I I, I like blackout during these episodes so I hope anything I said made sense but uh, let's do the superlatives for the day. So America's favorite celebrity this week, I'm going to give it to Billie Eilish just because she went through some shit and she's going to come out on top. So Billie Eilish, America's favorite. Public enemy number one this week is Matt Rife. Unfortunately, uh, he is really getting bashed and counseled every which way. But unfortunately, that sexy jawline and those DSLs of him will... Let him live another day. Most likely to be canceled next, superlative, is going to Sabrina Carpenter because now she has all the church girlies against her. And I don't know if she's that established enough to be coming for that. So Sabrina Carpenter, most likely to be canceled next. The secret villain of the week is Dumois because she's trying to leak shit about Taylor Swift and the messy bitch that lives for the drama is Lena's ex. That's, that's his life goal. He's, he lives to make the drama and be the drama. So those are the superlatives of the week. Uh, Let me know who you think the superlatives should go to. And yeah, I hope you guys have an amazing week and I will see you guys next Tuesday. Not to call you like a cunt or anything, but I will see you next Tuesday. So make sure to subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Apple podcast. Leave a review, screenshot yourself, listen to it, post it in your story. Text people, I guess. Share this over text. I, that's what you're doing anyway. So share it over text. Let everyone know. Talk about what you heard at Pop Culture University and hold your friends accountable to also know what happened in class this week. And if they don't attend, they will be expelled. Perfect attendance is expected here. And your homework is to dis- discuss this with people. Have Socratic seminars about what I said. That's my students' homework. And yeah, I will see you guys next week. Bye, Class dismissed.